0: Welcome to this episode of Untribal Politics Podcast with Innis. My name is Guy and I'm happy to be sponsoring this episode on behalf of Precision Spirits, a small batch Edinburgh-based distillery who are always innovating on gin, delivering on flavour and challenging tradition. Thanks and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Untribal Podcast, the show that gives you news content by regular people, for regular people. Today I'm joined again by Josh Scanlon, our right. Untribal News contributor. How are you doing today, Josh? You all right? I'm all right, yeah. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. It's been a while.
1: It has been. Even, when what have you been up to?
0: Eh, uh, not much. I think the last time we were to- discussing the SMP results, weren't we? Oh. With Billy really as well. Your, yeah. your, your, your best pal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> In terms of sort of what's been going on since then, we've obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a new first minister. Mm-hmm. How would you sort of rate his start as first minister, both as an SNP leader and leader of the Scottish government?
1: I think it's probably the trickiest time in recent history of the SNP to come in as a new leader. Um, I think regardless of who you think's at fault, if MD's at fault, what you think's happened, it's not. We've not had the I- like ideal press recently. There's been a lot of questions. Rightly asked, um, and we've been under kind of intense scrutiny, so he's definitely had a rocky uh, situation to come in and try and manage. Um, in terms of being first minister, I think he's coming and he's done it quite well. Um, you know, he, he's made it very clear that he is first minister. I think there's been a, 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 a swift transition and a smooth transition of power from Nicola to Hamza, but I think he's made it, he's made the role his own. Um his style of First Minister's questions I think is very different to Nicholas. Mm. Um he's kind of separated himself a bit more than perhaps people had thought he had done in the leadership contest. I think a lot of people thought he was more Nicholas Sturgeon Light than anything else. I think he's kind of separated himself a bit more and I think he's definitely still finding this feat. I think it's a tricky time in the country politically. Um I think there's a lot going on that we need to deal with, and also I think in terms of the party politics as well, we've got a lot of issues in the SNP
0: just now that are needing ironed out. He's owned independence a lot more, I've noticed. Like, yeah. so looking at FMQs, like, you, we sort of used to have this to and fro from Nicola Sturgeon and Douglas Ross, mm-hmm. him accusing of being focused on independence, and her kind of deflecting all that. But Hamza Yusuf kind of came in and went, well, yeah, <laughs> we were elected on the manifesto to lo- deliver a referendum. Of course, we're kind of focusing on that. What do you make of that? Do you think that's an improvement? Or?
1: I think it's definitely the right thing to do for the time that we're in just now. I think there's a lot of people in the SNP, perhaps not members, but definitely voters that uh, were feeling a bit kind of disenfranchised, like the SNP had moved on from independence. I think it's right for Hamza Yusuf in the early stages of his career to make it clear that he's not moved on from independence. I think it's something that you'll definitely back down from a little bit um, and kind of get the balance a bit better um, than he has just now. But I think, you know, Alex Salmond was the SNP leader and first minister that gave us IndyRef. Nicola Sturgeon came in fresh off the back of that and had Brexit. So I think it's very uh, important for Hamza Yusuf to kind of establish that, you know, he is first minister for the whole country. He will preside over the whole country. But actually, you know, at the end of the day, he was elected on an SNP manifesto and he does believe in independence.
0: Mm. I hated those comments about Ange post college did you see that mm. he was asked about that he was like yeah i've i've, I've spoke to my pr team to see what i could do within my first ministerial power to, to get answers there i was like oh fuck off first minister for all is it <laughs> honestly um i've noticed that i mean i think this is a general trend even mm-hmm. before Hamza youssef that mm-hmm. the quality of fmqs has been so poor mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, our listeners will notice i've actually just stopped doing my fmq main points mm-hmm. on a thursday just because there's literally no point. It's so repetitive. The arguments are always the same every single week. There's no new suggestions of anything. It's all soundbite politics trying to get yeah. that little moment of magic to for yep. it to offload on social media. And I, I, I'm not saying that's any party in particular. I think they're all guilty of yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, I definitely. think Humza's answers have been, you know, they've been a bit repetitive at times. It's mm-hmm. the kind sort of same line of argument that Nicola Sturgeon used to take. There's nothing really new there. Yep. Douglas Ross is as usual destroy. And destruct anything in front of them opposition yeah. for opposition's sake. Yeah, absolutely. And Anna Anasawa, yeah, he, he raises some g- great concerns, but he never really offers any sort of alternative or solution out to what is. It's always just like, you know, this is the mess that you've made. It, and then it's never like, you should be doing this. It's just, you know, it's sound bites again. What, what, what have you made of the recent weeks at FMQ? I think
1: FMQs has definitely gone down in quality. Uh, and I think that's an issue on all sides, to be fair. I'm not necessarily saying that it's Hamza's fault, and I'm not necessarily saying that it's exclusively opposition parties' mm. faults, but definitely the quality of FMQs has gone down massively recently. Um, I think it's to be expected, you know, Nicola Zildjian was a long-standing First Minister. Everybody was kind of used to seeing her rule the roost, if if you might. Um, And, you know, there's there's been a big shake-up in terms of Parliament, and I think that's definitely been felt across all sides. But I do definitely agree. I think we're in this new kind of era of, like, almost like TikTok politics and whatever. You yeah. can condense into a short clip to make yourself look good. And I think, actually... Um, something I've always said is that Anasarwar has kind of always been a bit like that. Anasarwar is kind of... I feel like he's kind of... it's almost He's almost known for standing up at FNQs and going, you know, this is the the health secretary that just keeps failing upwards. He's done this and he failed and he went up. He's done this and he failed and he went up. And actually, you know, regardless of if that's your opinion, you know, Hamza Youssef is the first minister. So you could come to first minister's questions and tell him about all the times that, you know, he was a terrible health secretary and he was a terrible justice secretary and now he's a terrible first minister. Or you could say, do you know, actually here is here is a specific problem I think Anna is very general and I think he does it on purpose because I think it must be difficult to try and manage a party that's ultimately managed by their English equivalents if that makes sense you know I think the Scottish Labour Party and the Labour Party in England are not two separate parties they're definitely distinct entities but I don't think they're two completely separate and when you've got a leader like Keir Starmer who kind of won't take a side on any real problem um and then when he does take a side he flip flops to the other one within a matter of weeks it's probably very difficult to stand up in a parliament and accuse somebody else of doing the same.
0: Mm. I I think and, and to Anasawa's credit that I think the points he does raise are always or they're always relevant they're always you know it's it's not like the stuff about the Queen Margaret University mm-hmm. that was going mm-hmm. on it was you know it was it wasn't great what was no, going absolutely. on there and uh, he, he always backs up with a lot of statistics mm-hmm. and it's always evidence and it's always. It's always a passionate yet serious yeah. question that he brings to the table. To give his credit, I mean, Douglas Shaw just kind of picks any old issue that he could be divided on the SNP and just jumps yeah. on it. To to give him his credit, one thing he did point out that was valid, uh, Douglas Shaw, so is this a nine dueling mm. thing? They've they've essentially dueled a mile a year, yeah. Since the SNP are given, him, I, th- I think it's something like eleven miles they've managed. I mean, yeah. that, what what's going on there? That's that's nonsense, isn't it? Not?
1: yeah i mean it's it's not good enough, and I think that we've also recognized that it's not good enough um I think you know there's a lot there's a lot of ways that we could stand and make excuses for the the speed at which the a nine's been jailed but ultimately it isn't it isn't where we wanted it to be and it's not where we want it to end up if that makes sense um it's definitely a priority for the government Hamza Yusuf said in the leadership election um you know that it will be one of the first priorities as soon as he takes it out of office i think um I think it's definitely the the SNP is to blame for the fact that it's not it's not further along, and I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying that's not the case at all whatsoever. But I think there is definitely an argument to be made that actually, if we just almost give him a little bit more time just to find his feet, find who he needs to speak to, see what he needs to get done, he made it very clear at first minister questions last week that actually it is still one of his top priorities. He is working on it, um, and I think you know we've just got to kind of take him at his word until proven otherwise. But it's definitely recognised within the party by Hamza Yusuf, by everybody basically in the country that the speed at which the A9's been jewelled is not good enough, it's not fast enough and it's not where we would have anticipated the project to be in 2023 looking back to when we first made the pledge but it's definitely something that I think is getting a lot of active work on and it's just one of those things that actually Rightly so, criticise criticise the speed at which it's been done, um. But you know we've got a new first minister. This is a kind of a new era of politics. He is very much, as I said, still finding his feet. It's just one of those things we've kind of got to take him at his word until, until he proves us wrong. Do
0: you think the Greens have got anything to do with it? You know this this criticism that it's the the tail wagging the dog, and the the Greens are view because they don't want to see new roads being built. Do you think that agreement has anything to do with it, realistically, or or is it just a case of taking Holmes of his word that? there is a commitment I think
1: it's possible that the Greens might have stuff to say about it and do you know when obviously we've got two Green uh, MSPs that will sit in on cabinet meetings um, and I think it's probably I think it would be naive to assume that they are not vocally opposed to it in these meetings as opposed but actually looking at how much power they've got over those kind of instances I don't think it is a case of the tail wagging the dog I would hope it's not a case of the tail wagging the dog um, I do think that Lorna Slater and Patrick Harvey and all their Green colleagues have probably been very vocally opposed to the A9 uh, um, You know, as is their right, they don't they don't stand under the SNP manifesto. They're not an extension of the SNP by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but actually, I don't think that their vocal opposition would be enough to, to put a break on it this fast. And I think, actually, what we need to look at is the fact that it's been, what, 11 years or something since we first pledged it. The Greens have only really been as... Mm as influential in parliament in the last few years so you know fair enough if you want to use that as an excuse for the last few years of progress but then what about before that do you know what
0: i mean yeah definitely speaking of Lorna slater she's Mm -hmm. obviously come under fire recently there's been a vote of no confidence Mm -hmm. proposed by the tories Mm -hmm. um certainly to do with the deposit return scheme that's now been delayed in line with the uk government yep the greens are calling it sabotage the conservatives are calling it incompetence um there's been a few different reactions to it to be honest with you mm-hmm. um kelly given um someone that's been on the podcast before she uh, recognizes that lauren is an autistic woman and she th- thinks that this sort of criticism is exactly the kind of barriers that autistic people have to to work and and live in modern day society you know she they, they were poking fun at her for not knowing her left and right and getting confused at that and she was like well this is what autistic people go through and yet, you know she's you know, having her jo- job job gunned for because of it, um, you know, at, at what point do you accept that introverts are just as useful than mm-hmm. people that are charismatic? Are we then putting the the essential sort of necessity that you need to be a great public speaker in order to be a politician? Yeah. You know, she's she's got an, a I think it's electro mechanical engineering degree. Mm-hmm. She's worked in renewables. She's been a project manager after doing that for two years. You know, she she, she can't be that useless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Another person said misogyny. You know, maybe there's some unconscious bias there. I don't know. They've been calling for Slater. and don't know if Patrick Harvey's had the same treatment as her. Um, some said it's been a distraction in terms of, the, mm-hmm. you know, what's been going on with the UK government and Boris Johnson, the circus that's mm-hmm. been happening down there. I mean, I personally think it's none of these. I personally think this is a deliberate attack on Scotland's devolution because this, this whole circularity Scotland thing and not working with the UK government I mean it's clear that the UK government have sabotaged at least somewhat of this DRS scheme it, it was it was the, it hinged on the the use of glass whereas yeah. the Wales were going to be doing that anyway yeah how much of that is true I don't know but it seems to be a pattern of um, the Conservatives trying to undermine devolution and basically hinder the credibility of the Scottish Parliament mm. and its, its operations and mm-hmm. um, you seen that with Mark Drakefords you know this morning who was saying, um, yeah, you know, he, he gets criticised by UK Labour when he calls Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, England, four institutions under one political union and not a country as, as Great Britain. Apparently Scottish Labour are always going to on for that and then they <laughs> go to UK Labour to tell them off, essentially. And there seems to be a pattern of undermining devolution here. Yeah. I, I, I think to, <clears throat> to undermine its operations would be to to hinder the the bid for independence, but I feel like we need to stop this paranoia of the independence question. Mm. We actually need to start getting on with shit as well. Yeah. Um what, what did you make of it when you when you seen that?
1: Eh. Uh, well I think first of all, um the comments that Kelly Given made is are are, are very important. Uh, it was the first thing I thought of when I seen the left and right clip was actually, do you know, this is not it's not just like I'll, uh,
0: albeit the vote of confidence that was just an example. The vote of confidence I think is because of Yeah. It, it, oh, everything absolutely yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, and that came straight after like this yeah, uh, you know definitely I, don't like I think
1: i think it's important because i think that actually the on the day where the as 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 ins- insignificant as it might seem on the day that the left and right clip happened um, that was the biggest thing on twitter there was never mm. i never seen any talk with circularity scotland uh, i never seen really any clips of any actual back and forth the only clip i'd seen was kind of a seven second cropped down clip of lorna slater she says something like Oh, the rambling to my right and then she gets shouted at that and gets hold of her left and she brushes it off and she brushes it off quite well but actually i think what's really important is as insignificant as it seems is that actually we see why this is that why this clip exists and it's because there was a debate back and forth but lorna slater didn't seem incompetent during that debate but when she's mixed up her left and right from the outside looking in that's very easy to write it off as like oh she doesn't know what she's doing but I, she exactly she's doing. Yeah. exactly and i think it is really important to note that you know lorna slater is autistic and for her to have gotten this far in Scottish politics uh, as, a, as someone with autism, as a woman especially with autism, um, is almost groundbreaking. It's, not, it's unheard of because there is so many barriers that they face. And I think that we need to pride ourselves, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, on the fact that she's made it that far and not ridicular for these little mistakes that anybody mm. could make really. Um, in terms of the vote no confidence, I think to be fair, it's a it's a long time coming from the Tories. I think there was no doubt about in my mind that they would try and lodge something like this. They've made it very clear that the ho- the sole reason for the failure of the DRS is Lorna Slater. Mm. Um you know, I know you mentioned that, you know, perhaps it's misogyny because Patrick Harvey has definitely definitely not had anywhere near as much scrutiny over this. I don't know if it is or more if Lorna Slater has just been a lot more vocal yeah, I mean, on it's, this it's, issue. I mean she is the the, the face for of this, yeah, absolutely, you know, she, she's handling it but all. But so. I think to gun for her job over it is not fair because I think I think it's very clear that a lot of circumstances that led to the DRS being shelved were completely out with Lawrence Slater's control. Mm. Um, you know, the UK government said no to glass but had said yes to glass in Wales, so there was a clear hypocrisy there. And actually, I think there's a lot of questions unanswered because I think that we kind of the Scottish government very much were asking, you know, why can Wales include glass and we can't and I'm not convinced we ever actually got an answer to that. We no, kind of just don't, got shrugged I don't off. We have either. And I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think Alistair Jack was asked to like speak to the government about it or something, and he just kind of shrugged it off and was like, "I don't need to. I've made yeah. my I've made my position very clear," which is is perfectly within his rights to do. But then it feeds into almost it almost feeds into that paranoia of independence because it's like if the UK government can make decisions that only affect the Scottish government and then shrug us off to not even ask or answer our questions as to why that's happened, what Significance does the Scottish Government hold? Because we can't legislate without being criticised and getting our legislation shut down. We've seen it with GRA. Um We can't criticise without getting our legislation shut down. And then when we ask why the legislation's been shut down to see if we can adapt it and make it fit better or anything like that, we're, we're just palmed off and told, you know, it's, it's not mm. important. We're, we're, we're dealing with the DRS in England and we'll roll it out on Scotland when and it's you ready.
0: you hit the nail on the head and that's why I come back to this point. What significance does the Scottish Parliament have? And this is, this is the crux of it because now that... You know, I I've listened to these Twitter spaces. Yeah. Where you know, they're they're talking yeah. Nicholas Sturgeon and all mm-hmm. things SNP, and what they're getting at now, what is stuck is the Scottish Parliament's useless. Hand the powers back to Westminster. There's no point in it. They're doing all that. You know, it's, it's feeding into that, and I don't think yeah. that's any surprise. because no,
1: I definitely don't think it's a coincidence either. No, I think for a long time coming, you know, people have often been written off as kind of stretching or you know, a eh, almost fantasizing too much. But it's been very clear that the uk government especially this iteration of the uk government with the c- current conservative party will do everything in their power to undermine scottish devolution mm. um and it's almost been that way since the referendum um, and yeah. i think it's definitely just amplified itself a lot more now but you're, you're you're totally right because if a government and a parliament can't legislate for the people it governs over what's the it's just a tourist attraction at that point
0: yeah and you Know there's been a power trip in Westminster, Absolutely. Let, let's be real. This this Brexit nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, was essentially about you know, h- high in Westminster and the, the highest regard and giving them full autonomy and power over everything, yeah, and making these one nation decisions. Which, you know, the, the reality is, we've got different things we need to be getting on with. Do you know yeah. what I mean, we, you know, we can't wait for climate change, that's why we want to press ahead with it now. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, again, I'll go back to the paranoia about independence because mm-hmm. I look at Neil Mackay, for example. Mm-hmm. Who's a commentator who likes to wind up both sides of the yeah. argument? And he's, he's pretty fair yeah, on, I think on, so, yeah. on the independence question. And he's literally said Douglas Ross and his approach to politics mm-hmm. is literally what the DUP are doing in Northern Ireland. They're just constantly saying no, they're constant attacks mm-hmm. on devolution. Mm-hmm. And it's just constantly trying to undermine the institutions that localized decision-making and, yeah. and it's all over this paranoia of independence
1: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah.
0: so yeah i think i think there's i think there's trouble there for sure um what the, you know I, I think feeding into that as well as you know I, th- I think what Hamza uses yesterday was talking about was the written constitution mm-hmm. that we need here because there's human rights being repealed then westminster like the human rights act in line with the mm-hmm. eu mm-hmm. they're out with the control of the scottish parliament these are the kind of things mm-hmm. we need to protect and this mm-hmm. feeds into this power trip that we're talking about just there um what did you make of that announcement yesterday in terms of the written constitution do you think that was i think
1: it's it? not surprising i think it's definitely been the smp's kind of unofficial official party line for a long time um it's something I agree with, I think, a written constitution, especially one that was depicted in Hamza use speech yesterday, is important. I think a lot of the issues that we have now come down to the fact that we don't really have a written constitution. Um, I definitely think written constitutions have cons. We've seen a lot of issues regarding the fact that America has a written constitution, for example. But I think done properly and done in a professional and grown-up manner, which I feel like a, a lot of American politics lacks sometimes, actually, on this issue, Um then a written constitution is, is the best of the of the two options, um, I think again it's Hamza Yusuf making it clear that he's not going to give up on the independence uh, issue, um, continuing the publication of the white papers, uh, it's the first one to come out under his um, into, under his premiership, um, yeah, I think I think the press conference in, in a whole was good. It's good to see Hamza Yusuf in a situation where he's not where he can speak freely without being kind of shot down. From the backbench, he's like in first minister's questions, for example, um, and I think it was good to see him kind of host a press conference. I think obviously we got very used to Nicola Sturgeon doing it; she did it all the way through the pandemic. Then she kind of straight out of the pandemic did the white pages, and they were very big press conferences. So it's good to see use of, you know, using the same platform and being able to see him as a politician, as opposed to see him kind of uh, having to bat off questions left and right from Anas and Douglas Ross and the like. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I think it will only do him well if he continues to speak the way he spoke yesterday
0: yeah i, th- I think the, p- the content was spot on it sort of feeds into what we we're talking about you know he's he's pointing out that the culture in westminster is currently rotten to the core yeah and it needs significant change yeah, you know definitely. I mean, we've had a lot of flapping from keir starmer on the big constitutional changes like mm-hmm. the voting system the house of lords and you know the, all these big changes that we need from it, and a written constitution might introduce that kind of mm-hmm. culture change that we need in westminster yeah one thing i did find problematic in the pitch was you know he keeps he keeps picking these wedge issues in order to try and pip public opinion on certain issues that might just get us over the line for independence I would I would like him to be a bit more honest in his approach and say look well if the UK is going to you know is going to progress we need something like the written constitution Mm -hmm. that is the kind of thing we can do with an independent Scotland but this is the kind of change we need now in the UK, yeah. And get on with the job within the UK whilst also pitching for independence at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you know, th- he's never he's never made that suggestion. And not went, oh, you know, we've only got two options here. It's either independence or it's this rotten Westminster yeah. court. And you know that that isn't necessarily true. You can still point out the benefits to independence whilst also not giving us this yeah. ultimatum. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I think that's. That argument is kind of eroding a wee bit, mm-hmm. and I think it's getting called out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's a little bit of a double standards here because we need to, you know, we need to be getting on with things that in the UK before independence. You know, mm-hmm. we can't just be having this yes or no, black and white fashion to everything that we're having conversations about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and you know, th- to quote out Scott and he said, deploying more civil servants, money and time to independence is an insult to everyone waiting for help with the cost of living crisis, the Lifeline ferries, critical operations and treatments." Do you think that's a fair assessment? Do you think that they are perhaps not as focused as they need to be in terms of governing the country right now within the UK?
1: I think I would disagree with that. I think it's tricky because I think Alex Cole-Hamilton is obviously the leader of the Scottish Liberal Democrats. They don't want independence. They oppose independence. Um, And so, you know, actually for Alex Cole-Hamilton to have that view is perfectly right and proper. And you know what? I wouldn't expect anything less from a unionist party, to be honest. Um, I think where it gets tricky, though, is when we have this kind of black and white argument is that actually, you know, it's it's difficult because the SNP have pushed for, um, for reform within the current system, you know, and then we pushed for it during IndyRef if, if we'd voted no, uh, and we got we got promised it all and it got taken away, and I think actually it's less of we don't want to try and fix the Westminster system and more we've done everything we can we've we've made every suggestion we can we've asked for all these powers we've asked for the government to to recognise this and do this and we've been told flat out no and almost I would I would say. Uh, in the same way that Alex Cole Hamilton sees speaking about independence kind of a waste of resources, probably most SNP w- members, at the very least, would think the same if Hamza Yusuf was to stand up and almost offer like a Devo Max solution or a mm-hmm. reform within Westminster because it's just, it's almost like speaking entirely to a brick wall. Do you know what I mean? And I think actually making it as cut and dry as you know you can stay where you are or you can fix the problem is probably what some marginal voters would need on the independence issue in terms of like look this is not i think a lot of people especially under Nicola sturgeon's um leadership thought that an independent scotland just kind of meant that Nicola sturgeon would run the country forever Mm. and an independent i think it's really important and something that i think the snp have maybe missed the mark on recently are making it clear that actually an independent scotland isn't an snp scotland and realistically, an independent Scotland wouldn't be an, an SNP Scotland because there would the main glue that holds the whole party together would the issue would be gone, and so I think there would be a lot more new parties started, and I think that's what's important to remember is that you know this is a system that doesn't work for us. It's a system that we tried to fix before twenty fourteen. It's a system that we tried to fix with a referendum in twenty fourteen, and it's a situation that we were told would be fixed with further powers that never came. And actually, we're getting powers taken almost taken away from the Parliament. And I think to make it as clear as, you know, we can keep going the way we're going or we can try this independence thing is probably the best way for it for the soft voters, I think.
0: Hmm. I mean, there is, it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned uh, Devo Max there. Hmm. I'm wondering, you know, you, you're an SNP campaigner, you're hmm. a member of the party. If, if I was to offer you a, a magic click of the fingers, right, hmm. in Westminster is fully reformed, so you've got proportional representation in the voting a robust ethics process a written constitution to protect human rights the removal of nuclear weapons more localized decision making a strengthened devolution settlement that protects the powers would you still campaign for independence
1: i think yes but just from the point of view that i'm i'm
0: a big fan of
1: decentralization and i think that actually do you know if i if i had if I was English or I lived in England, or if I was Welsh and I lived in Wales, I would campaign for independence. It's not necessarily a Scotland problem, I don't think. Um, and I think I just think that the decisions should be taken closer to home. You know, we might have proportional representation and and we and it might be a lot more fairer. And definitely, if it was a case of you know stay the way it was or have that situation, I would obviously pick that mm-hmm. like second option. But um, I just think that. A country should be able to just make decisions for itself. There's nothing to say that Scotland can't do that. And having a Westminster system that works better for us is, is a great solution in the, in the meantime. But actually, having all the decisions that are affect Scotland made in Scotland are is the is the best case scenario for me. Kind so of what always. separates
0: the the centralisation of what the Lib Dems and Labour are trying to offer, i.e., you know more you know more localised decision making, local councils. Okay, keeping things like the army and the currency and stuff in the UK, but further localized decision making. Well, like, as I said, if we were to click the fingers, there mm. was more localized decision making as well. Would, would would you be keen for a federal government with the UK if it was in a reformed state, or do you still think that, you know, independence is right? So, what 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 is it that's still driving that that?
1: Well, I think I think well I think first and foremost the the proposed changes from Labour and Lib Dems. It's not even necessarily that the people of Scotland don't want them and more that we just don't trust them the lib dems are you know in england they were they, they had a coalition government with the conservatives um under david cameron so you know you really can't trust the lib dems to not be too conservative uh labor especially under keir starmer have kind of abandoned everything that made them the labor party that they once were and it's less like i think it's less that the uh voting public don't want what they're saying and more that we just can't trust what they're saying as far as we could throw their leaders, you know what I mean? Um in terms of the reformed um Westminster and then uh, still pushing for independence, I definitely still would push for independence. I think there's nothing wrong with having uh almost like an EU type relationship with the rest of the UK um with the rest of the UK. I it's never it's never been my uh, I've never wanted to separate ourselves from the UK and then never speak to England or Wales or Ireland again. You know, they're our closest neighbors. We share a land border with them. It's very important to keep that relationship up. I just think that if we're going to go as far as to, you know, proportional representation, more localized decision making, then actually, what is it that, what is it that these unionist parties are then scared of to just hand over all the powers to the to the relevant countries? Not even necessarily just Scotland, but also Wales and Ireland. Do you know what I mean? I think. That a fairer Westminster system would be better for everybody, and I think actually a fairer Westminster system would quell the que- the question of independence for a long time. Um, I think if I th- I've always said if you want the independence question to go away, give us a second referendum. If we win it, we win it, and if we lose it, you were you you know the Conservatives were right. We don't want it. That is the question, almost dead in the water.
0: Yeah, they should have done that after Brexit, realistically. Yeah. If they if they're going to be completely sort of honest with yeah. themselves, um is there any merit to the sort of patriotic argument? You know, because I, I I, think back to my my 17-year-old self, my yes. 16, 17-year-old self that was, like, you know, captivated by the independence question. And it was... And I, as I'm, like, more honest with myself as I'm older, I sort of look back and it really was rooted in a kind of patriotism mm. and a love for my country yeah. and wanting to see it stand on its two feet. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely believed, and I think I still believe, um, that the culture of... Uh, in scotland was you know radically different to what, what you know our, our sort of english counterparts for example and i think if we had decisions made in scotland i think we would be uh, you know we would be a different country i still i, th- I, I think i still believe that yeah I, I look back to 2014 and if we voted yes i don't think we'd have this sort of brexit culture no. of I, you know I, I look at like outlets like talk tv and gb news <laughs> and some of the things they're spouting out with it just wouldn't happen in scotland i think uh-huh. we'd have a lot more you know, a drive for inclusivity, definitely. and I think, and maybe I'm sort of painted as a, a land of rainbows and unicorns and all that, but I, ge- I generally still believe that, and I, I, yeah. I think is is there any sort of merit to that? No, I I, I just love my country and yeah. want to see it on the Well, that-
1: definitely. I think first of all, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think even with more localized decisions, Scotland and England, and Wales and Northern Ireland are just four completely separate and distinct entities that actually, even with slightly more, you know, proportional representation they still would fundamentally disagree on everything and every decision that made would would not go down well in all four countries it, it wouldn't happen and i think that's the main point you know for not only scottish independence but also welsh and irish um independence as well is that actually if you can't have a system where all four countries will be happy which won't happen because they are four completely separate uh, countries with completely political a uh, different political beliefs then why try and force that system but i think also in terms of the patriotic argument, there's definitely something in it. I think there is something. I think, obviously, I can only speak for, uh, Scottish people. I have no idea what it's like to be English patriotic, obviously, but I think there is just something about wanting your own country to kind of stand on its own feet. I think we're completely separate. I think you made the perfect point there. Of, we have made that was very clear at the, at the Brexit vote. Um, and I think we have almost entered this ugly phase of politics. You know, Rishi Sunak stands in front of a big, massive Union Jack and says, "We're going to stop the boats." Well actually yeah well exactly (laughs) well actually you know these boats that are are bringing over people that are fleeing war you know these people aren't just fancying a day trip to england Mm. they are fleeing war-torn countries and poverty and they're risking their lives on the english channel to float over here where this is this is as good like they would rather risk their life to live here than stay in their own home country that's not an easy decision for them to make that's actually not where really any of our problems are that's not why the economic crisis is happening you know that's not why food prices we've this morning on the news food prices and uh, food inflation is at 16.5 percent that's not because of these small boats and i think actually we've now entered this ugly phase of politics where it's almost we'll just other everybody that's not british born and bred and mm. everything is their fault
0: and we actually need more immigrants I, well absolutely yeah, know, yeah, we, yeah we do need a separate Definitely. immigration policy because it's not you know you know, the reason they talk about stop- stopping the boats is because they're all arriving in the same little part of England, which is pretty, a, a big population anyway. And yeah, you know, that's all fighting well, but th- this is another example of needing to make different decisions in Absolutely. different places. I think Scotland, for example, is a a huge drug problem, but we need to be able to tackle that in a sort of unique way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned it in my, in my writings this week, even to mention again, Alec O'Hammond, even he said in the podcast, I'd quite like to see drugs fully devolved. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. And... I, I think this is where we're at the problem with this paranoid independence question. We can't have an honest conversation about it because there's so it's so fine margins and there's so much on the line now.
1: And I think that's where it gets tricky as well because I'm glad that Alex Hamilton wants to see uh, all drug reform kind of devolve to the Scottish Parliament because obviously that's exactly what I'm pushing for as well. But at the same time, if we just kind of live in this constant state where every time there's a problem, we go cap in hand to Westminster and say, please, can you please give us the powers to deal with this? Then, you know, that actually... In the grand scheme is a lot more using a lot more resources time and money asking for constant devolved powers putting arguments for constant devolved power than it would to be independent and just have the devolved powers there it would make everything that we have to govern over so much more efficient you're absolutely right we have a a terrible drug problem everybody's been very open and honest about that but actually we don't have all the powers to solve it and in fact if we had all the powers to solve it we would be a lot further on now than we are trying to get everything approved through our westminster government that are doing everything they can to kind of undermine us
0: mm. yeah i mean uh, you know it's difficult because there is some things where you think we're as well sharing it mm. on, on the islands you know they, things like the currency for example you think oh, it's a bit easier to be fair if we just all have the same currency we're on the same island we're all trading with each other it would be that would be annoying if we, if we had a separate currency and i think you know <laughs> a lot of people will be shouting like when i try a new <laughs> so it never gets accepted anywhere And like i can totally resonate with that as well but i think the currency thing is something that would be handy like mm-hmm. things like the post mm-hmm. for example is handy to have that uk wide you know yeah. i mean so there is certain things that you think right, okay we can do that together that's fine but you know m- maybe we need more powers in certain other areas i definitely think drugs is one different. definitely think immigration's one mm-hmm. um and coming back to that Sort of patriotism argument, and that feeling—no, oh, I want my country to stand on mm-hmm. its own two feet. It, the SNP never really seem to voice that. Mm. They, they always kind of seem to distance themselves from that mm-hmm. argument because then it seems like, or oh, you're just wanting it be- to be patriotic, okay. and it's it's all about do lally and up in the air. But do you think we need to return to l- that a little bit? Because I I I see a lot of those SNP politicians, and I think it's an elephant in the room because I reckon most, if not <laughs> all, of them i've joined the SNP with some sort of feeling of patriotism yeah. and wanting to, wanting to see their country like it's, it's not it's never been purely based on no. political arguments which yeah, of course yeah, like, yeah. But the SNP try and make it that way and interestingly
1: yeah i think it's a tricky line to toe because i think that one of the criticisms that are constantly lobbied against us as the SNP, but also just us as you know scottish independence supporters is that it is kind of this sighted Scotland forever nationalism where we'll drape ourselves in a saltire and take to the streets and scream flower of Scotland down Prince's Street. But actually, I think the the, the tricky thing that the SNP has to do is, you, you know, that is a big part of our movement, is that a lot of people are very yeah, patriotic. Is. And taking politics aside, people can be very patriotic and also very politically switched on. There's no reason that those two mm. things can't go hand in hand. But actually, I think the issue then becomes we... if if the SNP are to stand on a platform in government, and I think if we weren't in government, we maybe wouldn't quell that kind of patriot, uh, like being so patriotic as much. Mm. Um, I think the issue then becomes if we're in government and we kind of lean into that a lot more, that is just what we get We get boiled down to is just kind of yeah, flag well, it, it waving. Yeah, it kind of undermines the argument, yeah, doesn't absolutely. it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: If, if you look at, you know, so-called nationals movements of mm-hmm. the ages and mm-hmm. like uh, allegiance to the flag yep. and stuff, it's has never really been a good thing. Like mm-hmm. I, th- I think, t- to give Alex Salmon and Nicholas Sturders credit, they kind of transformed the movement into one that was about social and economic development. I, yeah. think, that, I think that's definitely important. It's, definitely. it's probably why they distance themselves from that yeah. thing, but that's still a massive part of the movement. I think definitely, I, I, yeah. as, as you said, it's, it's interesting anyway. um, And speaking of the SNP, yes. let's ask the question of the podcast, Josh. Yep. What nick is the SNP in, do you think?
1: I think that we're kind of on the, the a bit of a comeback um, in terms of membership. Obviously, we're still the party of government. That's not in question. Um, we're not ne- we're not near a Scottish parliamentary election, so we'll be the party of government for a little while. Um, I think that obviously, with everything that's gone on, there's definitely some parts of the party have been totally kind of switched off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really tricky to see someone as powerful and as you know influential to the to the cause as Nicola Sturgeon was. Kind of, not. I don't think she's in turmoil, but you know, there's a lot of questions being asked. Um, I think it doesn't help that our media constantly kind of almost misreport. I think it's important. Uh, something that I've been saying to a lot of people that have been asking about it is that actually in Scotland, if you're questioned under caution, you have to be arrested. Like that's kind of how it works. Um, so the press release saying you know a 52 year old woman's been arrested this is not Nicola Sturgeon hasn't been th- nobody swatted her house put her in cuffs and thrown her in the back of a car mm. this is just Nicola Sturgeon kind of sticking to her word almost she said from the very beginning you know we I will cooperate with, uh, with the ongoing police investigation mm. if they come and ask me for questions I'll go and do it and I think for it it's almost been misreported as you know she's been arrested and she, so that means she's guilty mm. and um Obviously, it's a live police investigation. Yeah, and, we not um, and we won't. I'm airing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, obviously. Uh, but I think the the issue is obviously there is a live police investigation into the Scottish uh, National Party. I think a lot of people have kind of switched off because of that. I think yeah. a lot of people have kind of found it to be a very negative environment. I think Hamza used to. obviously, as I said, came in at a really awkward time. You know, there's a lot going on. Um, we've got this independence convention on Saturday. Um, it'll definitely be interesting. If nothing else, what I'm looking forward to most is just kind of touching base with everybody that I've not seen. Mm. Um, obviously the last time we were all together was conference in October um, we couldn't have ever imagined what was going to happen in the next mm. kind of six months we would never have seen Nicola standing Recently down
0: the turnout's quite poor though did you not think? <laughs>
1: uh, I think the turnout has been reported to not as have been as good as we once thought I think it's now been kind of rebranded as an independence convention and I think it's, it's open to affiliate groups from other parties mm. um, so that'll definitely be interesting Um. I'm not a hundred. I'm not totally surprised that if if the reports on turnout are, are true, I'm not totally surprised about it because, well, as I say, I think a lot of people have kind of been turned off and feel a bit cautious. And um, but that's what I'm saying. I, I'm looking forward to, to being back with everybody. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of touching base with everybody and seeing where everybody stands. And I think if nothing else, um, it will be interesting to just see you know where the party stands on the next steps for independence because it does almost feel like we've exhausted every option at this point.
0: Mm. Well, let's look at some of the comments from our Mm -hmm. followers. I mean, C underscore Shell underscore X Mm. certainly agrees with you who said pretty okay if you stay away from the unionist media propaganda and fake news, echoing a lot of what you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Johnny Wheels said Barlinny. (laughs) yeah i mean yeah (laughs) okay not gonna comment on the police investigation so we won't go into that (laughs) rowan steen hypocrisy of the snp and the protection of turfs in the party is causing the collapse of scottish independence that's an interesting comment
1: it's definitely causing a lot of turmoil within the party i don't know if it's causing the collapse in scottish independence because the polls haven't shown that um well not necessarily. There's been a few polls that have shown us behind where we normally been. There's been a few polls in the last few weeks that have seen us kind of at fifty two, fifty
0: three. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it. I guess it. You know, it depends how you sort of define. Yeah, I will definitely. The polls in the S and P specifically haven't been great. No, I, I mean, they're still they're still looking like they'll be neck and neck or also slightly ahead of Labour, which. To be fair, if we hadn't had all these, like, successive, like, grand results from... the yeah, yeah, stages, yeah it would right? be and a you, very good... You know, you'd re- yeah. thinking, right, okay, that's a, a half-decent result. Um, obviously, you know, that big drop in support, yep. if that if, if the polls are to be right, then it's indicative Then it's, it's not a great situation.
1: It does become tricky, though, because I feel like the support for the SNP has definitely dropped in polls, whereas independence has stayed consistent, and I think my, my only... um. My only comment on the polls to anybody listening that wasn't sure how to vote or was a marginal voter is that you know if you are still supportive of independence, it, Scottish Labour aren't going to do it, Scottish Conservatives aren't going to do it, and the Scottish Lib Dems aren't going to do it. The only option for Scottish independence, if that's what you want, is the SNP. We are we are the means to that end for those for that group mm-hmm. of people.
0: Lee two two eight seven mm-hmm. listed a number of things. All oh, right he said get the facts and shame them education i've reported on education mm-hmm. I, I I think it's been you know i think some of the institutions in scottish education have definitely been liable to some criticism and rightly yeah, so but i think the sqa actually manoeuvred through quite a difficult wee period there as well as they could have really mm. I, don't, I don't i don't really agree with a lot of the criticisms towards them during the pandemic i don't know what else they would have done and i think you know a, a lot of scottish government officials say that it's like right well if you're criticizing it what else would you have done during i definitely agree yeah um and i think it, it has its problems mm-hmm. like the the amount of um high tariff special needs kids that are coming into mainstream schools because of the, a lot of schools uh, schools being closed down yeah definitely that, that's certainly a problem and mm-hmm. there you know a lot of people don't just don't want to do teaching anymore it was quite like a noble career path back in the day and when scottish uh, education as people talk about in their heyday you know it's it's it's, it's not in the same situation people don't really want to do it because it's that much work for what you're actually getting paid for yeah um so is that fair to scotland i don't know community development i mean i don't know i i, I think that's a tricky one for me because there's so many areas in scotland now that you're driving through i mean i would say the central belt you're driving through some areas and i like, can there's nothing here um, and it's, it's definitely something that I, I don't know how much the Scotland can do with the budget that we've got and what we're trying to achieve in the NHS and climate action and stuff mm-hmm. but that is a tricky one I mean mm-hmm. I noticed on debate night the other week that yeah when it was up north yep Um. you know I, d- I mean people questioned the the audience selection from the BBC but <laughs> I think there was a lot of noise coming saying look we're often forgot about up here yeah um, there's a lot of decision making you know the central and mm-hmm. not for them so yeah i mean I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with that to be fair yeah um i to be fair you've lost quite a lot here so i'm gonna go through them the police force under 25 jail terms not sure the scottish government actually can do anything about that no criminal rehabilitation programs kinship care in scotland drug deaths private social housing landlords the elderly care the nhs and as i said get the facts and shame them What would your response to that be
1: well i think it's very tricky um to be honest i mean you could
0: be there all day speaking uh, about uh, all those i think
1: i think it's very easy to 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 say you know get the facts and shame them and then list a big list like that but actually do you know we're working in very difficult and a very difficult environment Um, the economy's at one of the worst on recorded level do you know what i mean like it, 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 the economy is not in good shape and actually the majority of that is out with our control we're working under a very finite budget um that in terms of inflation isn't isn't rising in the same uh, at the same time as inflation i would
0: yeah i would i would press you on that because i think the i think the hole that they talked about was about a billion pounds and to be fair the uk government has reimbursed the scottish government from that gap yeah so, so I'd, I'd be wary on on that point, but sorry, continue. I was... No,
1: it's fine. Um, I think we're working under very like we're working with finite resources, and also I don't think it's clear to the general public what is in control of the Scottish government and what isn't. Mm. Um, and that's not me saying you know everything is Westminster's fault. Go and take that up with them because that's not the case. And actually, I wouldn't be a good spokesperson for anybody if that's if that was the argument that I was peddling out. Mm. But I think you know, as you said these systems do have flaws the education system does have flaws the sqa did make mistakes in the pandemic but when you compare it to the other three islands or the other three kind of governments on these islands do you know we're we are arguably doing better on a lot of these issues than the other three now i mean it's it's very easy to sit here and go well look at england or look at wales and look at ireland but actually do you know this is not a scotland problem this is a worldwide problem and we're navigating it what we can say is we're navigating it better than than most. Mm. And, you know, with what we've got and what we get given, we're, we're doing a good job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And there's definitely flaws. I'm not saying that Scotland's a perfect country, but do you know, in terms of the rest of the UK, we're performing
0: better. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the argument he was making is it's not just, it's not okay. It's, it's far from okay. The position's Absolutely. Got I don't know. It's I mean, that's for. Everyone to judge it's it's mm. difficult in the central belt when there is so much going on. We've just had the trams down here, where tram stop next to the the studio, and yeah, um, so it's difficult. We can't really speak on behalf of the people up north. Yeah, of course, that. yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly there there does need to be improvement. I think th- what the biggest improvement would be is the accountability accountability of budget spending. Mm-hmm. And I think they've alluded to that in this national care service that they were going to introduce, mm-hmm. which was basically an accountability booster and making sure that. Each area of the National Health Service was accountable to a government minister, um, because they're they, they're clearly not tracking enough where this money is being spent. Yeah. in things like education and and things like the the health system and education, for example. I was speaking to one of the SQA board members, which I can't name for you know <laughs> obvious reasons in the day and age of social media, but she was saying, yeah, they like. They were just giving grants to schools, and some were spending it on like buses and stuff when it was for classroom supplies. And uh, getting to that sort of level of accountability mm-hmm. would be important. Mm-hmm. In the health service, you know, they were going to spend yeah, uh, over a billion pounds on this national care service to make sure they were accountable to ministers. I would ask them the question: Why aren't they already accountable? Yeah. You know, what is that not your job to chase up these funds and make sure the money's being spent where it needs to be spent, has mm-hmm. being spent effectively? That's your job as literally a government minister. Mm-hmm. so I think to, to spend that amount of money on administration, I think was a bit of a, a farce to be fair. And as Nicola Sturgeon said in the lead up to the last election, she, you know they took their eye off the ball in terms of drug deaths, and the mental health budget's been cut. The drug deaths, uh, the drugs budget's been cut as well. There needs to be better accountability of what they're spending money on. There need it, that that needs to be the transformational change, and that's when the SNP will start, you know, get, getting the credit um, for uh, governments in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, that's how I feel. But I've went on a tangent here. But <laughs> well, we'll go back to the comments. Uh, Councillor Mary McCartney, SNP, said, "We're at our peak. We're the largest political uh, movement in Europe, and our membership is growing every day. We are set to win the next election and the one after that." Mm. Thoughts.
1: i think that almost you know you're perfectly entitled to that to that view and i think there's a lot of evidence that probably backs that up but almost that complacency is going to turn people off i feel we're yeah. not we're, we're on track to win the election we're absolutely not on track to win the election anywhere near how we've won the last few and um, we're on track to lose seats that's mm. a loss in my eyes do you know what i'm glad we're winning the election i'm glad we're going to stay the party of government that's obviously what i want as a member of the snp but to lose seats is still a loss mm. and I think to sit there and and, and almost it's, uh, almost is like just kind of sticking your fingers in your ears and going you know we're at our peak we're not at our peak at all well, um, we've
0: lost uh, they lost 30,000 members exactly year, right?
1: you know we lost 30,000 members there was obviously that issue of membership numbers where people were reporting one number and people were reporting the other number and people were being told to report a number that they knew wasn't right and you know I think this is where it gets tricky because I think a lot of people say you know a lot of people Associate the SNP as almost being like an, an like a cult or something, um, and it's definitely not the vibe I get. But I think when comments like yeah. that come out, <laughs> when comments well. like that, when comments <laughs> like that are being spread, it almost you can see where the argument comes from. That that's that complacency I think is just not on. We're we're not on track to win the election anywhere like we have before, and anywhere like we think we should. We're I don't know what evidence is out there to say we're on the we're on track to win the one after that. I yeah, th- i've no, never I seen know. a poll about the election after the election to come <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i just yeah, think perhaps overconfidence
0: there yeah um it's interesting you mentioned the world cult because that was in one of the questions actually from the account here he goes again he asked who's the biggest cult al- ideology in scotland um either the pro-independence movement or the pro-uk movement um <laughs> i find this really interesting actually because if you look at the sort of cult following that boris johnson have which is mm. slowly like, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. deteriorating mm. to, to the bare bones of like nadine doris him <laughs> and jacob reese mogg essentially but Pretty he had quite a big following there yeah um but the pro-independence movement you know it is there quite a big faction of the party that you know are blind on independence can't see any other way forward and would follow whatever the movement tells them do you think that's a big part you know they, i mean he's called them a cult the pro-independence movement <laughs> do, <laughs> do, do, do you agree with that I mean you've just said you don't think it is a cult but do, do you well, think there is a big fall wind that'll just I don't, just go wherever the wind takes them as long th- as we get independence I
1: don't think so and I think that's probably never been clearer than in the last couple of years we've had one of the giants of the independence movement Alex Salmond started a new party um, the members of that party have, have, have joined that party You know, uh, I've seen Alex Salmond on Sky News uh, maybe, a few, maybe three or four weeks ago um they're the third biggest party in terms of membership numbers in scotland um and so actually you know i don't think that's the case because if they were all cult-like and they would kind of just blindly follow whoever is going to take them there then the person that statistically is most likely to take the mayor is the current serving first minister Mm. and you know people have left and joined that about the greens have good membership numbers the scottish socialist party support independence don't think it's a cult at all because actually i think there's a lot of division in the independence movement Mm. i think there's a lot of different decisions on the way forward we've seen that when nicola sturgeon took the decision to go to the supreme court um there was a lot of people that disagreed with that both in the party and out with the party so i don't think it's a cult really at all um i think that there's a lot of different views in the independence movement granted we're all kind of united on this one issue of we want independence but i don't think it's cult like from what i've seen at the very least
0: mm. it's interesting uh, yeah and we had uh, oh sorry i've just lost my <laughs> thing there we also had darren park 78 that said they're in a pretty bad way we've seen the previous leadership collapse various mm-hmm. scandals mm-hmm. Uh, both of the internal party operations and the failed policies polls show the public isn't impressed by their performance in the main areas of the all powers yeah. and the same within keeps growing so I alluded to some of the things you were saying there i want to go back to one of the points that was made mm-hmm. um, hypocrisy of the snp and the protection of turfs in the party is causing the collapse yeah. of scottish independence It was interesting because when i read that i was like i usually hear that from the other end of the spectrum and the, the, you know people saying that all oh, because of the gra mm-hmm. you know it's, it's falling apart and that was the, the big um reason for so many membership losses on that yeah. on that issue i mean you know you're in the party josh you speak to people in the party what's the kind of feeling on that you know it, it, it's definitely divided a lot of people um it's definitely been an ongoing issue for the smp for several years whether they wanted or not you know what what's the general feeling on that do, do, you know do you think it is do you think that has contributed to the a uh, uh, perceived collapse of the, the SNP and their Yeah, leadership? I
1: think the GRA bill, rightly or wrongly, was very controversial on both sides. I think one side thought it was very controversial because they couldn't understand why we were allowing it to happen. We couldn't they couldn't understand why self identification was um like, you know, essential and why the, why these rights didn't really infringe on anybody else's rights. Um but on the other side as well, there's people that supported the GRE bill all the way through that now don't really have much trust in us and our leadership because we didn't expel members of our party who were actively speaking against it and actually it's not even a gender reform bill issue there's a lot of talk about that on abortion rights because obviously we have a few elected members that are very vocal in their opposition to basically everything that we say with regards to abortion and they've they've openly campaigned in the opposite direction etc etc. Um, personally I, I do think the SNP have a lot of hypocrisy on action. I think if I think if some of the stuff that was getting spouted from our backbenches, both in Westminster and the Scottish Parliament was getting spouted by another party, we'd be the first to say, you know, how can we trust such and such if they can't even manage their own party? And I do think action needs to be taken. Uh, I'm not 100% sold on what that action needs to be, but I think that action needs to be taken because I don't think we should be a... I don't think we should pretend to be a big happy-clappy, you know, everybody loves everybody and we all agree with everybody. But, but I think there's a time and a place where you can spread the views that oppose party line, of mm. course you can, but once the party agrees on a line, it is kind of, it does kind of fall on our elected officials to, mm. to stand behind that line mm-hmm. regardless, um, to constantly kind of undermine us and then for us to take no action is almost exactly what we're accusing the Westminster government of doing to the Scottish government, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's constant mm-hmm. kind of undermining from our own Um, and I do think the hypocrisy of kind of we haven't taken action necessarily on these individuals has turned a lot of people who were supportive of GRA off of off of the SNP, if not independence.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, one example of that, Ash Reagan, who said, at the leadership contest, you know, I can't keep asking people to vote SNP on this party line. And I <laughs> asked her on the podcast, you know, is that, does that mean you're going to rescind your membership now that Humza's in? She's oh, no, 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 I'm going to keep going. <laughs>
1: well, that's it. She's, it's, it's, it's almost as if these people use the SNP as the political powerhouse that we are to get themselves elected and then oppose everything we stand for it's ridiculous that ash reagan could sit here at the start of 2023 just shy of two years from the the last election and say i could never ask people to vote for the smp as the way the party stands politically just now when two years prior the manifesto that she stood on was the smps mm. and that's exactly what she did in terms of for her to get her job she asked people to vote for the smp in the political state that it was in now it's the same manifesto that we're still working through Um, And I think that the constant kind of niggling from the backbench is Ash Reagan's been bad at it. John Mason does it a lot. Joanna Cherry does it a lot. The constant kind of niggling and criticism, it it doesn't do anybody good. You know, you're absolutely, you don't have to be content with the leadership. You're allowed to kind of question things, but there's a time and a place to go to the press and say, you know, I can't believe we've done this. I can't believe such and such has said that. It doesn't really help anybody, especially when these issues, as far as I'm concerned, are not being raised in private. They're not being mentioned to the NEC or to the membership body. And it'll be interesting to see if any, uh, again, it'll be interesting to see if any of these people actually show up on Saturday to this mm-hmm. independence convention. If you've got opposing views, conventions like the independence convention and like our annual party conference are the perfect place to raise them. Yeah. And if they get supported, credit where it's due, at October's conference, John Mason stood up and spoke on an issue he agreed on. The The party, the membership dis- disagreed as is a right, but he stood up and fought for those views. Mm the issue then becomes when he keeps continuing to push them for a party that don't want them.
0: Mm. Well, Josh, we're, it's coming to the end of the parliamentary recess. We've still got one episode to go next week, mm-hmm. but I think we are, are all a wee bit done in from the, from oh, yeah. the past year, yeah, 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 yeah. especially on those two issues. So we're going to end today's podcast okay. with a, a wee bit more fun, but right. uh, a, little, a little bit lighter content for the for our audience. Okay. And I'm going to start with this question. If you had to go on a date with an MP or an MSP, outside folk from your political lean-in and I'm going to include the Greens in this because okay. they're in partnership with the SNP that's fine who would it be? do they have to be currently sitting in parliament? yes hmm. it, so I, I've, I've got a couple of shouts right okay That'll let me hear yours first with... first of all yeah I think Jess Phillips from the Labour Party, because mm-hmm. anyone that hoofs a vape in the House of Commons <laughs> is surely decent. Part. I think that would be my my first my first choice. Second choice. I said Boris Johnson. <laughs> okay, I can get behind that. I mean. I reckon he would loosen up after a few whiskies and that. He'd start telling you yeah. the truth. And then you have that shame in the morning where he'd like realise what he's told you. Yeah. He would delete all the messages <laughs> and block you from everything, unmatch. I'd <laughs> just never speak to you again. But it'd be, it'd be an experience, put it that yeah. way. So th- that, that'd that be my two shouts. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Actually, I can get behind Boris Johnson. I think that's a good shout.
1: Um, I've always said that I'd like to have a dinner with Boris Johnson. Uh-huh. And it'd be quite fun. I feel like he would be quite a. Do you know, if nothing else, he is just a bit of a laugh, isn't he? Like, he's done some (laughs) terrible things, don't get me wrong, and I politically oppose him in every way, but just some of the stuff he does. Remember when he did that interview for Channel 4 on the back of a bike? Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, just some of it is just so, like, rad. He's (laughs) also, like...
0: He's also such a liar that it'd be interesting to see, to see what, what he, he says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. You know, you're just looking back and you think, God, was any of that true what yeah. he was telling us? Yeah. Last night? <laughs> do you know and do you know what?
1: Actually, see for the same reason, Diane Abbott. I feel like she would just be yeah. a bit of a laugh. Do you yeah. know what I mean? She doesn't seem to take herself too seriously. And and actually, credit where it's due. You know, she was always a Corbynite, and she's rem- she's not faltered from that. Do you know what mm. I mean? She's made it very clear it's tricky because then it does fall kind of in the same category as the Joanna Cherry situation Uh Um, but you know she seems like she's got her she's got her head in the right place did you
0: have someone in mind when you were like does it have to be the current
1: well yeah because in the very politician uh, esque way I'd thought of an answer that kind of made everybody in my life happy and I was going to say Ruth Davidson for two reasons interesting firstly she's in the House of Lords so A she can foot the bill and B she'll have a lot of free time (laughs) but B I'm absolutely not her type so my uh Girlfriend won't be sent at home worrying about who I'm going to take out on a date in Parliament. To be honest. That's a great
0: answer, great answer, Josh. Right, nice one. Well, so so who who was the verdict there? I, mean, I think it was Boris Johnson. I think Boris Johnson. To <laughs> that be was fair, a yeah, 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 God, our, our listeners are going to be shouting at their phones oh now, like <laughs> me. Um, suspended. Who do you think would be best on mm-hmm. a night out if you're calling five people to get absolutely plastered with? Who who are you calling? Joe we go first? Yeah, I've got a few. Right, I've got a few suggestions. Okay. Um, me. Firstly, mm-hmm. Rishi Sunak, because I feel like he would be that plebe that's just stupidly minted and just he's just getting the drinks like willy nilly because he yeah, wants yeah. to fit in and be like <laughs> cool and that. So I'd say Rishi Sunak. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I you know this is going to be unpopular with a lot of people especially the controversy uh, surrounding our damehood. Mm. whether it was controversy is also up for debate as well but mm-hmm. i thought jackie bailey was a great laugh on the podcast right okay she was such a nice person mm-hmm. she was she was it's so sound on, on and off camera i generally think she'd be quite a good laugh so i'd be calling jackie bailey stephen flynn because he loves talking about the football that's mm. 100% had to be him um, yeah um and do you know what interestingly and we've talked about it tonight Ash Reagan I think would be class on a night out I just think that I think if she could put down the front that she seems to put on I think she would she would be class yeah and I also think I should get steaming Yeah, I, I think she I, she's also she can also be like so like abrupt and like mm. low-key really cruel that <laughs> yeah. I think she would just come out with like loads of like, <laughs> just absolute bet like someone trying to hit on her and just be like oh, look at the state here Leave us <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ash Reagan might be quite a good show um, and and I I also said quasi quarthing because <laughs> you know I've seen him in the comments. Some of the states he pitches up to, actually at the Queen's funeral as well. He looked like he hadn't slept from the night yeah. before, and he gotta keep laughing as well. And it, mate, he was gurning. Oh like, yeah, he, he literally like I, <laughs> I think I tweeted like what the sub club bar starts <laughs> here on Friday night. And uh, what what was his retainer rate? I think it was ten thousand a day or something. Yeah, something like so that. I mean, it's it's probably because he's up for the full twenty four hours to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, that's um that was my shout. That was my shouts actually. That mm. was my five. So, yeah, I don't know. What what do you think?
1: Uh yeah. Well, first of all, I think that sounds like a class night. I think I definitely <laughs> definitely would be there. Uh, if I had to pick five. Um, I here feel comes 5SMP
0: like, nah, nah nah nah
1: I've got some greens in there too um, well I think actually Ross Greer would be a good laugh on a night out um, see I was thinking that right Yeah.
0: but I'm going to disagree and all this right. is no dis- disrespect to <laughs> Ross Greer because I love Ross uh, he's been in the podcast a couple of times he was on last month actually mm. and uh, I said to him um, you know I, I, I always find it so impressive the way he like rallies off all these points but he's so yeah. like, articulate he's so coherent and he can rally off like so many points if you ask him a question. Mm-hmm. And I stopped him. I was like, You're hey Ross, like, see, so you just putting the politics aside? Like, what are you up to this weekend? Mm. <laughs> just like, yeah, just, just see aside from that. And he yeah. was like, To be honest, like, we're such dorks in the greens like we talk about politics mm. all the time we're mm. literally we're gaming at the weekends. we're on the headset we're talking about politics mm. so i thought i vetoed ross green actually as much as i like him and he's gonna hate me if, <laughs> if he listens to this um because because i'm actually I, I, I feel like i'm quite close with ross like the, the guests that i've been on yeah but yeah i vetoed, I vetoed ross mm. green
1: i thought ross green just because uh he's got you in so much twitter controversy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually with a
0: couple of drinks in him, it'd be quite funny yeah I mean, <laughs> on that premise we better invite Lorna Slater as well, well <laughs> so exactly yeah who, who doesn't think drugs are inherently dangerous so she'd be bringing all the gear it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen Kerr I
1: yeah. think Stephen Kerr can poke fun at himself yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Remember when his teeth fell out at conference? That was. Oh,
0: <laughs> I, I've been arguing. Well just a laugh. On Twitter, though, I don't know. Well, he's
1: he uh, before I even stepped foot in politics. I actually don't know how much of this I've ever spoken about. Uh, before I ever stepped foot in politics, really officially, he was a main source for my politics assignment, oh. and was meant to come into the school and speak to me. And so then you've the got morning. Soft spot. Well, no, because then the morning all he blocked me and didn't show up. Really? Yeah. And then I tw- what? and then I tweeted about it and I said I said. Stephen Kerr's just blocked me like what a disappointment blah, blah blah he unblocked me and said I've never blocked you I don't know what you're talking about and then reblocked, it. no
0: way <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so he's one of these guys that so like, I'll get him on the night out just would to question him ah, one exactly. point in the night he's out, no, yeah
1: <laughs> honestly
0: um, fair enough yeah but to
1: be fair I think I'd actually rather go out with your group I think you've named quite a good group there yeah well um, I mean I was
0: thinking of people that I wouldn't bring I think Douglas Ross would not a chance bring. like I, I, he's the type of guy that would only speak about politics I just feel like that's you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> You've just looked up there then, the uh, yeah. Two no, o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> <getting uninvited though. laughs> uh, I might get
1: uninvited, I just feel like I've not seen enough from Douglas Ross that isn't the politics, you know what I mean? I think mm. Ruth Davidson, I'm going to sound like I'm obsessed with Ruth Davidson now, but going back to Ruth Davidson, there was almost that personable side and, like, there was always the kind of, like, stories that, like, her and Nicola are like, quite friendly and they did like these skits for like co- uh, children and need or something like that but i feel like douglas ross i feel like he would just hate me do you know what i mean yeah because i disagree with him he just would not want to speak to me
0: yeah i i've grown to like ruth davidson actually uh, from yeah. our, from an argument that we had in school uh, when they were touring uh they were like speaking to loads of schools about yeah, the parents yeah. referendum and i was i was arguing her like vehemently i was like <laughs> how can you come round to schools and tell us that the only way to get your keep your passport for your yeah. holidays and all that is to vote no when there's a vote in two years time we all know how that turned out mm. but uh, she came away from that and the the representative that took her there she actually like said to him like yeah so i'm not gonna get in this vote <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> she, um but yeah i've grown to like ruth davidson actually and when i when i look back i actually think no she was actually quite an asset to the chamber oh yeah definitely um, yeah. i think
1: that was the the best kind of leadership group we've had was like mm. Nicola Kezia Roof yeah like Willie Rennie that was a good
0: yeah team. and uh, yeah, I, I liked Kezia as well good good Hibs fan as well so yeah yeah definitely um, and another person I thought you know because this is going to surprise um, in my listeners because you know it's no secret how much I love Nicola Sturgeon I think it was my was it my 18th birthday. My mates bought me a, a cardboard life-size <laughs> cutout of Nicola Sturgeon, and we like took it around the meadows and all that with me. It was it was sitting in my living room while we Hibs scarf on for <laughs> for weeks, which actually got back to Nicola Sturgeon because my dad's uh, texted the photo to his mate. It was like the cardboard cutout car mm. with the Hibs flag and our uh, Hibs scarf in our living room mm-hmm. and he is pals with peter murrell oh, really? said it on. <laughs> so nicholas Surge actually seen that photograph and um, if she could re- if, if she's listening to this and she could reply on my linkedin that'd be great though because <laughs> want well, to follow-up on the podcast request but we'll, we'll see but yeah I, I didn't think Surge. i didn't see oh, really? because i think i apparently she's really shy yeah but actually she has a good laugh we had to St andrew's dinner last year
1: she was on top form really yeah, yeah yeah I mean she's obviously coming to her own I mean she. she I think definitely now I would definitely take her on now mm. before than when she was first minister but
0: she also has I, I think she's a little bit scary as well oh really like I think she's got an aura that's it's, it's like so like see when I uh, seen her in the, in the flesh like it, like as soon as she came out of the car she, there was this real presence about her that was almost like intimidating <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's cause like I've always been a fan of her and like I always wanted to speak to her mm-hmm, and yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know, I just felt a bit of a presence there that, I don't know. Also, we'd be getting pestered everywhere we went. If we were in well, the that's true, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, free drinks though. Free drinks, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but yeah, so who, who were we set on there? I think it was, we invited Rishi along for the drinks. Yeah. Quasi and Lorna for all the, all the gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're wanting Stephen Kerr. Yeah. Who else was there? I can't hey, remember
1: now. Stephen Kerr and... Hmm, I don't know. Who could we bring? I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna bring Diana Abbott. I've got a soft yeah. spot for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also, know. did you not do you remember that time she put on two left shoes? <laughs> and she was sober. So <laughs> Imagine <laughs> her on a night out So I,
0: imagine her drunk, yeah, that's a good point. Um Listen, George, it's been great having you back in the studio. Pleasure. Um it's uh it's always good to have you here. I'm sure we'll have you here again. Absolutely. Is there anything you want to any closing remarks for for our listeners before we go? yeah
1: uh, I don't think so. I think we touched on a lot of important things today. I think basically the main takeaway is that if we just give the new leadership time to find its feet, the answer to the question is of what Nick is the SNP in is probably that it's a good one. But I think if we judge it based on the last few weeks and everything that's gone on, then I can understand why that wouldn't be the general view of the public. But I think give us time, give us space. We'll come back stronger than ever before, I think. Cheers, Josh. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) you <laughs>